Welcome to the award-winning productivity podcast, The Motivation Mindset. Learn to get stuff done without all the stress in these coffee break-sized episodes that can help you tune up your daily mindset. And now, here's your host, Risa Williams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of The Motivation Mindset. I'm Risa Williams. I'm a therapist and the book author of The Ultimate Time Management Toolkit. And today on the show, I'm happy to welcome special guest Cynthia Siada. She is a licensed social worker. She's a speaker, a writer, and the host of Ask Your Ates. Today on the show, we'll be talking about the subject of compassion and how we can look back on our past selves with more kindness and compassion. Hello, Cynthia Ciudad. I'm so happy to see you today. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Risa. So today we're going to talk about your approach to time. So talk to me a little bit about things that work for you and in the way you manage your time. I know you're a busy mom and you're a therapist. So how do you go about managing your time, Cynthia? Just thinking about like the space that I'm in. I mean, right now it's a little cluttered, to be totally honest with you. It looks pretty nice, especially considering you have a one-year-old. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, I, I try to keep my space feeling good. I think the 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 issue with like me and like my way of approaching my time is like, if it doesn't feel good, I'm like, I, I have a hard time motivating. <laughs> I have to have things, I, I think around my desk, for instance, like there are just things like pictures of my family, my son, my husband, um, and like just little like trinkets from like my life that like when I look at them, I feel really good about looking at them. Like I, I mm -hmm. for instance, it's kind of random, but I was I was starting to tell you I have I always have a pair of earrings <laughs> because I um I work on Zoom. I, I see my clients virtually. I always have a pair of earrings on hand because earrings have a way of helping me feel more put together. <laughs> um, and I, I was feel. admiring the ones you're wearing because I was thinking, gosh, with a one-year-old, those are going to come right off. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah, no, no. They come off right after I'm done for sure yeah, because yeah. he's like, he's like trying, but then yeah, if I forget or something, I've developed like mommy ninja hands. Yeah. Um, so I like this idea of creating space. You know, and I, I really think that, that that by itself helps helps me feel like just like more open, more open to getting stuff done, more open to ideas that I might like think about. Mm -hmm. Um and then just generally like helps me feel a little more creative if I need to be creative. Like, you know, I mean, you know, it's like working with with clients it's not sort of one size fits all so yeah. thinking thinking and hearing and listening about you know the things that they do and then just trying to build upon those things mm -hmm. um takes a lot of my brain <laughs> yeah, a lot right. of my brain to try and do so so many people i see these days are overworked and they don't give themselves permission to yeah. relax or to let go of things so how do you address that? I address it in a, a couple of ways, but I feel like one of the ways that I, I use most often is by providing them like examples 
from my own life of needing to give myself permission. For example, I could be like at the end of my day, you know, it's like I've seen all of my my clients for the day and my my brain is pretty tired. I've I'm kind of <laughs> having a hard time focusing. My neck hurts, my shoulders hurt, my wrists hurt. And and I have these administrative tasks I need to do. Like, of course, I need to write notes and like document what I did for the day with my clients. And I think one of the things that I've needed to give myself permission to do is to like pay attention to those signals that my body is giving me. So my right. body sensations kind of tell me what my internal motivation levels are like, my bandwidth is like. Um, and so like permission to pay attention to that and and listen to it um i think is something that i frequently in historic historically have ignored to the reaction of my body <laughs> your body <laughs> was not like, happy yeah with like, all that you're not going to slow down i'm going to slow you down by making you sick by right you a headache by and that's often what happens our bodies just crank up the symptoms you're yeah. not feeling that headache now? Okay, yeah, well, let's here. just crank let's, it up. Now you've got a up. cold and you can't yeah, get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just done. Now you have a fever. <laughs> yeah, like- so you're taking a break, but it's not going to be a fun break at that point. Yeah, I think those things, talking about, uh, you know, sharing sharing instances like that, I think help allume, can help distance people from what's going on for them. And now, now that's one example like of, like me listening to my body and like giving myself permission to pay attention to something like that right. versus paying attention to my to-do list first. There, There's a lot of stuff in the world that is just drawing our attention outward, you know, work, work included, families included, relationships included. And so it's like, okay, permission to slow down, look at what's going on for me, feel into my own body. And yeah, and once once I'm able to get to that place, I think one of the things that I've found myself doing is like just writing down what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you connect your brain back to your body, you kind of can check in with yourself. What do I have mental and physical energy to do in the next segment of time? Yep. I, I find related to that my what I'm working with my clients on, and this is like with even like just their coping skills in general, but like developing a menu of things that we can do at different levels of motivation and bandwidth. Yes. It's like matching, matching the energy that we have with the task at hand right. rather than the other way around. <laughs> exactly. And we don't do that enough. We expect ourselves to just charge through things full capacity, full mental capacity, full energy capacity, doing like one hard task after another. And then we're like, why am I in such a bad mood? Why do I have a cold? Why am I falling apart at six o'clock? Well, I'm so tired. Why can't I do anything? (laughs) I think the most one of the most common um, like self-criticisms I've heard is like, why can't I do something after work? Why can't I go do the fun thing or go? Because you're exhausted. You just worked. Take a break. 
I hear that a lot too. That question comes up. Why can't I? Everyone else can do it. Why can't I? Well, first of all, that's not true. First of all, we have such a hard time reading ourselves at our own stress level. It's possible we're misreading everyone else's stress level too. Just because people are posting stuff on social media does not mean they are in a great mental or physical space. We're seeing such a massive highlight reel. It's really. Yeah, we're seeing a snapshot of one second of time. We don't know what happened 30 seconds later, you know? Yeah, totally. You know, as a as a clinical social worker, I, I let my clients know really quickly, like I am I am looking at them and myself in in a inside of context because the context is yeah. so decisive for us. And if we look at the larger societal context, we're living inside of a capitalist kind of productivity yeah. focused environment. So the moment that we start to do something that's different than that, it feels like we're doing something quote unquote wrong. We're going against the grain because we're taking a break because we're resting and the culture is telling us no nonstop productivity all the time. Right. That's interesting. I like that you pull back and give them that context. We often don't see that that's affecting us. I remember being in the lunchroom, taking my lunch, And like having a colleague of mine walk in, getting their lunch ready. And then another colleague kind of like bouncing in because they were excited. They were about to leave to go on a trip or something. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's, you know, I'm going to go to, so I don't even remember where they were going, but they started talking to my other colleague. And, um, and the response that my colleague who was there with me had given them was like, oh, Good for you. Very like, oh, get out of my face. (laughs) It's kind of a bummer, right? You see that and you're like, why can't we be happy for this person? Yeah, exactly. In this society that we're inside of, there's like this line that all of us are told we need to be on. It's like, be productive, may earn a lot, earn as much as you can. And then if you like veer off and you take a vacation or something, there is some prompts like that kind of gives us the slap back into line. <laughs> right, like, right, right. Join like, all the sheep in the yeah, row of like, sheep. Go, go. <laughs> and, you know, so funny to me how, how quickly that, oh, I should be doing something kind of kicks in because I've, I've heard people like stop, like stop their work day or whatever. And they're, and they're like people in, in service industries. Mm-hmm. And it's like not 30 minutes later, they're like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Like why? Yeah. What, what else can I do? And I'm like, like let yourself. But they're not letting themselves feel it. So it's sort of a two prong problem in that we make ourselves work nonstop, and then if we take a break, we're not letting the feelings of accomplishment in. So it's like being on a hamster wheel of just yeah. feeling negative stuff all the time, yeah. right? Yeah, it's really. I mean, I've I've certainly found myself there multiple times. Yeah, we've so all been I, there. Like, yeah, just trying to trying to identify when it's like, okay, well, this is this is like much needed, and the environment won't isn't necessarily supporting that, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I want you to tell me if you could the top tools that stick out to you. Mm-hmm. Where people can learn to be gentle either to themselves or to other people on a more daily basis. Doing a bit of 
uh, contact with your inner shadow. So it's like that part of you that is that you feel more sort of ashamed of or like anxious about letting other people see um, you tend to deny <laughs> that that was a part of it. And it's like a real part of you and your life and your background and your experiences and, and developing a, a relationship to that part and asking, you know, like mending it because, because for a lot of us, it it has gone denied. I think one of the the activities that I had recently felt like, oh, that's a good add-on to what what I've learned about this, but like closing your eyes, thinking about okay, what does the shadow part of me look like? For me, it looks like the version of me at like between the ages of 23 and Twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, for a <laughs> lot like, of us, or or yeah. earlier, like high school, or earlier, yeah. yeah, or high school, and just just like seeing that person that I was like, oh, like it, it kind of like to think of that version of me actually feels a little cringe. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so when we're talking about this for people who don't know psychological terms, it's the cringe part. It's the of your past. Part. <laughs> It's your cringeworthy past self. Yes. Exactly. And what would you tell this person as our tool? Is is telling them to connect with that tool. So put a hand on your heart, close your eyes and check in with it and let it, you know, ask it, you know, what do you have to tell me? Uh-huh. And then listen for that message. And then what can I do to amend our relationship? How do you, how have you been feeling about how I've been treating you? And then what is something I can do to amend our relationship? So those few questions I, I was doing it the other night and I was like, oh, my my younger cringy self. <laughs> Your self cringe was self. Like, <laughs> was like, okay, well, talk to me more. Okay. <laughs> and, um, so that was, that was, that's one. Um, and then, so it's, it's befriending. It's befriending. It's befriending that part of yourself, which is actually showing yourself compassion, showing yourself acceptance and compassion and saying, Hey, it's okay. We're all part of the same thing. The same person person. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you helped me to get to today. It's like, you helped me get through that time to get to today. And so thank you so much for joining me today. I hope everyone listening takes a few moments to visit your cringeworthy past selves and say how much you appreciate them for everything they've taught you. I like that we coined that term. <laughs> I think most people can relate to that. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and where can people learn more about you and find out more about workshops or speaking engagements? Sure. So they could either go to my website. My website is www.iamlivingfully.com or or you can find me on like Instagram. My handle is livingfullyig. Okay, great. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's so much fun talking to you. Thanks, Risa. Thanks for having me. To learn more about tools discussed on this episode, please visit theultimatetoolkitbooks.com and be sure to pick up a copy of my newest book, The Ultimate Self-Esteem Toolkit, 25 Tools to Boost Confidence, Achieve Goals, and Find Happiness. To learn more about upcoming episodes, please visit risawilliams.com and click on podcast. I'm Risa Williams, and we're out of time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.